You're listening to the Mission Church Podcast. Each message comes from our Sunday morning gatherings where we worship in community, study God's Word, and grow in our faith together to the glory of Jesus Christ. The Mission Church is committed to helping each person belong and believe and to equip them to embrace the call of God upon their life. We pray these messages will build your faith and encourage you today. Right now, though, let's get into a Bible study. Amen? Uh, Get your Bibles out, get your Bibles open, open up to Matthew chapter 15. If you need a Bible, the ushers are in the aisles, they will give you one. Matthew chapter 15, uh, the title of the message this morning is Discerning the Signs of the Times. Are you able to discern the signs of the times? Do you see what is happening uh, in your world? Are you in tune with what God is doing? It is possible to go through life undiscerning, without realizing. How many of you have ever, you don't need to raise your hands, but how many of you have ever missed an opportunity, uh, there was something there, there was a season of life, and it passed you, and you weren't able to properly discern it as you were going through it, and you realize on the other end, oh, if I could just get that back, if I could just get that to do over again. Oh, how I wish. Oh, what I would have liked to do. Uh, It is important that we're able to discern the signs of the times. We're in Matthew 15. We're going through the Bible verse by verse. Uh, Last week, we looked at a Gentile woman. Jesus was preaching in the Gentile region up in Tyre and Sidon, a Gentile area. And a Gentile woman came to him and Jesus did not respond to her immediately. And the title of the message last week was, When God Doesn't Answer Our Prayers. And uh, he ends up blessing this woman. And then he ends up spending time teaching them and spending time with them and just doing great works with him. We'll pick up right where we left off last week. Uh, Look at verse 30, Matthew chapter 15, verse 30. Uh, And uh, uh, after Jesus uh, healed this woman's daughter, he then went down to the Sea of Galilee, and we looked at this, and he healed the lame and the blind and the mute and the maimed and many others. And I love that passage. Uh, He healed the lame, those who had limbs that don't work properly. He healed the blind, those that have eyes that don't see what they are supposed to see. He healed the mute, those who cannot speak because they cannot hear, those who cannot speak properly because they don't hear properly, those who are maimed. Maimed means You were wounded in life. You have something damaged about you. Maybe your heart has been maimed. And maybe now you have a hard time trusting. And Jesus heals. And many others, uh, many other problems, many other ailments, many other addictions. And Jesus heals them all. And uh, they brought them to Jesus. They laid him at Jesus' feet and he heals them. So the multitude marveled when they saw the mute speaking. Uh, the maimed being made whole, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. Now Jesus called his disciples to himself, and he says, I have great compassion on the multitude, because they now have continued with me for three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry, lest they faint 
on the way. Very interesting. Here we see that Jesus, he cares about you. These people have been coming. They've been listening. He's been healing. And Jesus took the opportunity to teach them. And he taught them for three days about the love of God. About how to uh, move and live and have our being. And how to, how to be what God called us to be. And, and about his grace and his mercy in our lives. And he teaches them for three days. And I'm sure they brought food. But they were so riveted they didn't leave. You know, it wasn't like you could just drive, get in your car and drive home. No, go, you know, going 20 miles took a long time in those days. And so they stayed for three days. And by the end of the third day, they're out of food. And Jesus says, hey, I don't want them to leave and to faint on the way. To faint on the way. He knows our frame. That we are weak. And he doesn't want us to faint in what he's called us to do. To faint in our relationships. To faint in our marriages. To faint in our work that we have to do. In the struggles that we face in daily life. He wants us to be nourished and strong. He doesn't want us to faint. Here Jesus knows our frame and it says that he's moved with compassion. He doesn't want you to faint in your ministry. In what he's called you to do. And here they spent three days with listening to Jesus, hearing him teach uh, the word of God, hearing the words of life that no man has. I mean, he spoke so amazing. Uh, no one ever heard the, this kind of wisdom, this kind of truth, this kind of love. And now Jesus doesn't want to send them away. And we learn something from this. We never leave having spent time with Jesus. We never leave hungry. When we spend time with Jesus, he will always send us out satisfied and strengthened. And Jesus says, I don't want to send them away. I don't want them to be weak. No, just the opposite. I want them to go strengthened and revived and healed and whole. And so he calls to the disciples and he says to them, uh, verse 33, uh, Then his disciples said to him, Where could we get enough bread in the wilderness to fill, to fill such a great multitude? And Jesus said to them, how many loaves do you have? And they said, seven and a few little fish. And these words aren't there, but they might as well be. But what good is that? Right? Seven and a few little fish. What good is that to a multitude like this? And so often when we are... There with Jesus, and we're called to a ministry task. We're called, he's bringing us to a task to do something. So often when that happens, we become painfully aware of our own inadequacies. And the disciples there are looking at the people, and uh, uh, Jesus says, hey, what do you have? And they say, man, we just got seven little loaves of bread. What good is that? And here's something that all disciples of Jesus, all followers of Jesus need to hold on to, need to learn, need to grasp, need to embrace. When facing a God-given task, whatever it may be, a relationship, a ministry, uh, healing a, a broken relationship, uh, helping others, whatever the case may be, when facing a God-given task, whatever ability we have will always seem insufficient. 
I don't want to send them away. I want to feed them. What do you have to give them? I've only got seven little loaves. And what good is that? Maybe you have a marriage that is collapsing and you say, Lord, I don't know if I have the strength to do it. I don't know if I have the ability to do it. What good is what I have? Maybe you have a co-worker who needs Jesus, a friend, a relative, and you are thinking, oh, Lord, I'd like to step out in faith, but I don't know. I and mean, What do I say? What do I have? I'm so aware of our, my inability. Maybe you have friends and family coming for Thanksgiving. Maybe some family where there is a strained relationship and you know they're coming. And you're going, Lord, I have it in my heart to forgive, but I don't know that I have the wisdom or the strength or the ability to do it. Lord, I'm so aware of my inability. It is important that we know that when we are facing a God-given task, whatever ability we have, it will seem insufficient. I want you to know every week when I stand before you, I don't stand before you as, Lord, here I am. It's Pastor Dave. I know you need me. I'm ready to deliver your word. No, 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 no. Every Sunday I pray early, early in the morning, Oh, Lord, please feed your people today. Lord, I'm so inept. I'm stumbling and bubbling, bumbling. Uh, Lord, I need you. Uh, be a Freudian slip right there, right? Uh, proving my point. I need you to feed your people. The Apostle Paul wasn't confident in his own ability. He said, uh, uh, I stand before you in fear and trembling and I can totally relate. Whenever we face a God-given task, we will always be aware of our inadequacies. Uh, but, Here's what we are to remember. Do you not remember? Do you not remember the five, that feeding of the 5,000? Do you not remember? Oh, I hope that we have memorial stones in our life that will cause us to remember. You see, whatever we have uh, seems so inept to do what Jesus is calling us to do. How could seven little loaves feed 4,000? Whatever we have seems insufficient until we bring it to Jesus. And then everything changes. Then the little that we possess becomes the perfect amount for God to do what He wants to do. By the way, how many loaves do they have here? Seven loaves. Seven is the number of what, you Bible scholars? perfection how about in chapter 14 just a couple of weeks ago a few weeks ago when we are in chapter 14 and jesus fed the 5,000 bible scholars he used then five loaves and what which comes to seven a quinky dink seven why seven here's why Whatever ability you have, it is a complete offering when you bring it to Jesus. It is more than enough when you bring it to Jesus. You see, do you realize that Jesus doesn't need our help at all? Do you realize that this is 
his desire to use us in what he wants to do. Do you know right now he's looking at the 4,000 and he's not saying, oh my gosh, I don't want him to go home hungry. Peter, do you have anything? Guys, do you have anything? Oh yeah, we got seven loaves. Woo, I was worried. No, 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 no. He just invites us to participate in doing what he's doing. And oh, it's such a great work. You see, this is the joy of serving Jesus. When we bring it to Jesus, the little that we possess becomes the perfect amount because we've brought it to Jesus. You think the disciples would remember what Jesus did. Guys, don't you remember just a few chapters back? Oh, it may have been a year ago. I don't know. But don't you remember the feeding of the 5,000? Apparently not. You would think they would remember how faithful Jesus was. But you would think we would remember too how faithful Jesus was. And do we? How many of you have faced difficult things in the past and you saw the Lord deliver and here you are. You didn't die. You made it. You paid your bills. Whatever. Uh, you, the Lord provided. I know in my life I look back and I see the things the Lord has provided and I'm so astounded at them. Lord, you've been so faithful. This is why God in the Bible tells us to write to make memorial stones of remembrance of his great deliverance. Make a memorial stone when I take you through the Red Sea so that you'll remember how outnumbered you were, how impossible it was, and how I delivered you. I have memorial stones in my life. Oh, I hope that you do. The healing of my son. The healing of my sons. God's faithful provision time and time and time again. The very fact that we're here in a building when at one point we were going to be kicked out of the building we were in and there was no hope. We just, I've watched him provide over and over and over. And I wonder, Jesus is one, hey, do you not remember what I've done before? May we hold on and may we embrace. You would think the disciples would remember, but they, we often don't. And when we face hardships, here's what happens. We are painfully aware of our own lack of ability, that it often hinders us from trusting in Jesus' infinite ability. We are often so aware of our inability that it hinders us from trusting in Jesus' infinite ability. And when we lack ability, do you know what we tend to do? When we don't have enough, do you know what we tend to do? We tend to give up. We tend to succumb. We tend to say, I just can't do it. And so instead of forgiving that relationship, we put up walls that hinder us. Instead of walking in faith in what Jesus is calling us to and bringing our offering to him and watching him do supernatural things with it, we just look at our own ability and we succumb and we never get to experience the full deliverance of what Jesus wants to do in our life. When we forget about Jesus' infinite power, we forget that he is able to take the little things that we have to offer and to do exceedingly great things with them. And if we just bring what we have to Jesus, he will use it supernaturally. Let's go on in our story. Let's look at what he does. So he commanded the multitude. He takes those seven little loaves. He commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground. He breaks the multitude into mission groups. 
that meet all over the land. And they sit down, in verse 36, and he took the seven loaves and the fish, and he gave thanks, and he broke them, and he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave to the multitude. Uh, very interesting here. This is the exact same wording that we saw in Matthew 14 when Jesus fed the 5,000. And that is very unusual for Jesus. That is very unusual for the Bible. That is very unusual because Jesus never ever did anything twice the exact same way. If he healed a blind guy one way one time, he did it a total different way another time. So that we didn't get think it was a certain pattern we had to follow. And yet here, he says the exact same words. Scriptures record the exact same thing. Because this is God's order. This is how God works. And this is what he wants us to know. We went into it in detail when we taught in chapter 14. I'm going to skim over it quickly here. But write it down. Take note. This is the way he works. Uh, he gave thanks, or he blessed, he broke, he gave to the disciples, and the disciples to the multitude. This is Jesus' way. On the cross, he blessed. Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. And he died for our sins. And he broke his body, broken for our sins. And he gave to the disciples, poured out his Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And his disciples gave to the multitudes. This is God's way. You're here in church. God wants to bless you. He broke for you. He wants to give to you as his disciple so that you can go out and give to the rest of the world. This is who he is. This is what he does. Verse 37. So they all ate... And they were all, say the next word for me. Say it again. And what does it mean? It means they were completely satisfied. What if they were really hungry? You just take more food. How much did they get? Here's your crumb. No, no, no. You can't have that much. You got to share. No, 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 no. How much could you take? As much as you could eat. They took and they were filled. And look at this. And they took up seven large basket, baskets full of the fragments that were left. Very interesting, by the way. Um, when Jesus fed the 5,000, how many basketfuls were left? Twelve. This time, how many basketfuls are left? Seven. Interesting. Last time, when Jesus fed 5,000... He was feeding the Jews. And afterwards, there were 12 basketfuls taken up. The word basket, by the way, a different basket than this basket. The word basket in Matthew 14 is a basket which was a Hebrew basket. The word basket here is a much bigger basket. It's a Gentile basket. When he was feeding the 5,000, 12 basketfuls were taken back up. How many tribes of Israel? Twelve. One basketful for each tribe. Here he feeds the Gentiles and Gentile basketfuls are taken up. And how many baskets are left? Seven, which is the number of completion or perfection. Enough for all the Gentiles. 
Very profound. Even after he feeds you, there is enough for a whole nether course. As a matter of fact, there's more after you've eaten than before you started. This is his way. When you begin to study his word, you discover, oh my gosh, it's infinitely deep. I thought there was this much. There's this much I still have to learn. And when you think and you learn that there's this much that you have to learn, then guess what you learn? Oh my gosh. And for all eternity, we'll be learning how amazing he truly is. We will never tire. Now those who ate were 4,000 men besides women and children uh, upwards of 6,000 who knows uh, and he sent away the multitudes and got into a boat and came to the region of Mag uh, Magdala uh, so he crosses over uh, uh, from this Gentile area and he now goes to Mag Magdala Magdala is on the western side of the Sea of Galilee right about in the middle of the Sea of Galilee north and southwise on the western side a very beautiful area back to a Jewish area, right? Um, and there he is at Magdala, chapter 16. <clears throat> now the Pharisees and the Sadducees came. I'd like you to circle the word and right now. The Pharisees and the Sadducees. I'll explain why in just a minute. The Pharisees and the Sadducees came and they came not to worship him, not to hear his great teaching, not to learn from him, not to be led, guided, and directed by him, not to be in awe that God left heaven and became a man and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the, only, uh, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. No, not for any of that. They came to test him. What a mistake. And they asked him, that he would show them a sign from heaven. Uh, so incredible. So incredible. What the heck? Are you kidding me? Do you know it's possible to come to Jesus for the wrong reasons? It's possible to come to church for the wrong reasons. It's possible to come and to stand before him and not be a worshiper it's possible to miss the whole point. Here it says that the Pharisees and the Sadducees came together. Which is very interesting because the Pharisees and the Sadducees were not friends but enemies. The Pharisees hated the Sadducees and the Sadducees hated the Pharisees. But here they are coming together against Jesus. Why? Because the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Here it shows they are coming uh, for a common mission to take down Jesus. Both the Pharisees and the Sadducees were, were very influential and powerful groups in Israel. We don't know for sure when they started in history. But we know that the, the Pharisees were a group, their name means the separated ones. Pharisee means separated ones. 
And we know that uh, in the book of 1 Maccabees, uh, they are listed as already being a religious group that is very powerful and established. And that was written in about 108 BC, if my memory is, is correct. So uh, the Pharisees have become this powerful religious institution in Israel. And again, their name means separated ones. They probably started after the days of Jeremiah, perhaps, or out of some of the reform in Israel. And originally, they were a great group. They were those who said, hey, we want to be separated from the world, and we want to be followers of God. And they took the teachings of God very seriously. But something happened over time. Over time, they became something very different. Instead of being separated to God, they took the position and they used it to elevate themselves. They became self-righteous. They used the position as a position of power, a position to feed their ego. You know, there's two very different ways to serve God. You can serve God, Sarah here, serving God this morning. She can be singing, I can be teaching, all to worship ourselves. Ooh, I want everybody to think I'm such a good singer. I want everyone to think, oh, I'm such a good speaker. It could all be about me. Or you can come and have it all be about worshiping Jesus. The choice is ours. And somewhere along the journey, the Pharisees, the separated ones, got full of themselves. And it became about their greatness instead of the greatness of God. And instead of coming to hear a message, they came to judge a message. And they said, oh, well, he didn't know about this. And elevating self. Instead of coming to serve others, they came to step on others. And they just talked bad or just talked derogatorily of others to elevate themselves. Instead of coming to be used by God, they came to their own righteousness. And it's a dangerous place to be. These were the Pharisees, strict observers of external ceremonies with all kinds of pomp and circumstance. And they placed higher value on religious traditions and on the traditions of the elders than even upon the Word of God. They were proud, they were full of ego and self-righteousness, and they were very wealthy because of their power in Israel. The Sadducees were a little bit different. The Sadducees were liberal. They did not believe in all of the books of the Old Testament. They only believed in the first five books of the Torah, the first five books of Moses. They did not believe in spiritual things. They didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in, in a, a Holy Spirit. They didn't believe in, in uh, uh, eternal life. Uh, they, they were pretty liberal. And they, too, were very full of themselves. They used their position for self-righteousness and self-elevation. And they loved self-indulgence and they loved power. And here these two are coming together to take down Jesus. Amazing to consider. 
And they come to Jesus and say, Jesus, we want to see a sign from you. And for Jesus, this must have been like Groundhog Day. Are you kidding me? Are we doing this again? Didn't we just do this in chapter 14? Didn't you come to me the same way? What about the 5,000 that you saw me feed? What about the 4,000 that you just heard about that were fed? What about all the lives that are being changed? All the, the blind that are seeing? All the lame that are walking? All the maimed that are having their injuries and their broken hearts healed? What about all the addictions that are going away? What about the community and the love and the bond of the, of, of the people that come to... What about... There is so much fruit. What do you mean you want to see a sign? I want you to know there is plenty of evidence to make Jesus Lord in the Pharisees and in the Sadducees' life and in our lives as well. More than enough evidence. And here's what we learn. Some people never grow. Some people never grow. Ah, oh, they can hear all the teaching. You can come to church week after week after week. But some people never grow. One of the most dangerous places to be at is when you think you have faith in Jesus. That isn't real faith. It will hinder you from learning and receiving all that Jesus has for you. How can we know that we're following Jesus? The religious leaders, the scribes and the Pharisees, they thought they were, but they weren't. How can we know that we're following Jesus? How can we follow Jesus? How can we experience His power transforming our life and working in our lives? Oh, it is not complex. The Bible has laid it out. It is very simple. We need to first humble ourselves. If we will humble ourselves, we will be moved and led and, 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 and blessed by Jesus. We can follow Jesus. He will invite us to Him if we will just humble ourselves. If we will just admit that we're a sinner and that we need to be saved. I want you to know something. I know my role in my relationship with Jesus very, very clearly. I am the sinner. He is the Savior. I am the one that makes a mess. He is the one that cleans me up. I am the one that blows it. He is the one that restores me. I come to Him saying, Lord, I did it again. I can't believe it. I stepped in a big pile of manure. I've made a mess of everything. I've tracked it all over the place. Lord, cleanse me. I know my role. I know His role. I never frustrate the grace of God by saying, Oh, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I blew it. Really? Because I can believe it. No problem. You're a selfish, egotistical, arrogant, lustful, greedy, prideful, and I could go on and on. I hope I don't need to because I hope you see these things in your own life. I should not be surprised when I stumble and fall, and I'm not. I know my position, and I know His. And here's what the Scripture says. If we would simply confess our sin, He'll be faithful and just to cleanse us of our sin 
and to forgive us of all our, our transgression and to make us righteous. But if we say that we have not sinned, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we will just humble ourselves uh, and bring ourselves to him, he will heal us. Uh, uh, <clears throat> humility, by the way, uh, you can know if you're humbling yourself before Jesus because humility always has an amazing fruit. Do you know what the fruit of humility is? One specific fruit, the fruit of humility. You can put on humility, it's a false humility, and it actually just fuels self-righteousness. Wow, great job. Oh, thank you. It's the Lord. He's working so powerfully in my life. Aren't I amazing? That's false humility. How do we know then if we're actually humble? How do we know? There's one fruit it will always produce. Teachability. Teachability. Are you teachable? Are you willing to learn? You see, the scribes and the Pharisees, are they coming to Jesus to learn? Or are they coming to Jesus to teach? Are they coming Jesus to hear? Or are they coming Jesus to speak? To be heard. Teachability. Are you teachable? It's the mark of humility. Secondly, we know that we can follow Jesus. We know we are following Jesus when we study Jesus. When we study Jesus? Yeah. When we learn who He is. Jesus said, Come, take on my yoke and learn of me. Excuse me, take on my ways and learn of me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come and learn who I am. Come and understand my heart. Come and learn what I value. Come and receive my ways. Come and, and experience my wisdom. Come and follow me. Come and study me. Uh, it is possible to study our Bibles and not ever study Jesus. Jesus told the religious leaders, he said, you search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. But these are they which testify of me. And you're not willing to come to me that you might have life. Uh, yeah, we study the Bible not so that we can quote it, not so that we go, yeah, I know that story. Yep, 12, 12 loaves, uh, 12 basketfuls, uh, 7, yep, 7, yep. No, 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 no. We come so that we can know Jesus. And when we study Jesus, here's what he says. Follow me. Follow me. All who come to me in spirit and truth, I will bless. I will reward. I won't cast out any who comes to me. All who comes to me uh, will be blessed. And, and we study Jesus. We study by gathering in fellowship together. We study here. It's why we spend so much time on the Word on Sunday mornings. So that we might know Jesus. We study on Tuesday nights. We did Revelation chapter 17 last Tuesday. The harlot that rides the beast. Oh my gosh. If you missed it. Go online and listen. Phenomenal chapter in the Bible. That reveals so much. What is at hand. And what is coming in our world. Oh my goodness. We study to know Jesus. We gather in small groups. Why? Why do we do that? To know Jesus. We don't forsake the assembling ourselves together. Why? 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 So we can know Jesus. 
uh, so we can study Jesus. How does that work? Well, here's how it works. Only when we come together as the body of Christ are all the gifts of the Spirit here. And you know what? We want all those gifts in our life so that we can know Jesus. You see, I, I need what Gene, the gifts that Gene has. And I need the gifts that you have. And I need the gifts that Lori has. And when we bring all these gifts together, and you need the gifts that I have, and when we bring all these gifts together, you know what we see? We see Jesus. And so we gather in mission groups throughout the week, and we uh, read our Bibles in the morning and our devotions because we're trying to study Jesus. Faith comes by understanding, and understanding comes by the Word of God. And oh, how wonderful it is when we, when we gather and we study Jesus. So we humble ourselves to follow Jesus. We study Jesus to follow Jesus. And thirdly, we serve Jesus to follow Jesus. You see, Jesus calls us to serve with Him. It is the most incredible gift there ever is. Jesus looked at the disciples and He goes, Hey, what do you have? We've only got seven little loaves, man. It's so inadequate. And here's what He says, Bring it to me. Bring it to me. I want to use it for amazing things. And they did. And they fed. And they go, oh my gosh, it was amazing. You should have seen how the Lord used us. And we use our gifts to serve others. And we follow Jesus as we do. One of my favorite memories as a dad... Uh, I, I, I have three boys and a girl, and I just loved, you know, loved my kids, obviously. And when my kids were young, it was just so much fun. I remember my firstborn, uh, he's two years old. I was working, I had a Yamaha dealership at the time, and I worked long hours, and I come home. When I get home, I like to work in the garage. Uh, just kind of, uh, just good therapy, right? And uh, I love building really high-tech race engines, you know, like real pristine stuff. And and I would come home, and I'd come home, and I'd get my son, Jordan, two years old, and I'd bring him out in the garage in his little PJs, you know, and and uh, I'd start tinkering in the garage, and I would give Jordan a little T-handle wrench. A T-handle wrench is like no sharp edges, just a little socket on the end, real, you know, real safe. And I would pull off on my... Uh, uh, watercraft trailer on the Sea-Doo trailer, I would pull off the little bearing buddy on the side and I would give Jordan a T-handle wrench and he would go in there right in all that grease, right in the center of the axle and he would just clank that thing in there and mix it all up and bang it all around right in that grease and he would make an absolute mess of everything. And you know what? I loved every minute of it. Being out in the garage with my son, him thinking he's doing something, and <laughs> all he's doing is making a mess on the Sea-Doo's, on the trailer, on the jet skis, on the garage floor, on his pajamas, but I loved every moment of it. And that's what Jesus says, hey, take what you have. I'm going to put something in your hands. I want you to do it with me. We're going to go do this together. It's going to be amazing. And you're going to grow as a man because you spent time with me. This is his way. And this is what he does. And this is how we follow. And uh, he's, he's incredible. The religious leaders, they never did these three things. They never humbled themselves. They never studied Jesus. 
They never served Jesus. They served themselves. They served for their own glory. And as a result, they remained selfish. They remained arrogant. They remained self-righteous. And they never experienced a relationship with their Creator. They never experienced His love. They never experienced the Holy Spirit imparting wisdom in their life, leading, guiding, directing them into all truth. And I take no pleasure in saying this. They died in their sins. And they are eternally separated from Him because they never follow Jesus. Jesus warns. Jesus warns of missing the good work that God is doing. Look what He does here. Look what He says. Uh, they come to Him seeking a sign. Look how Jesus responds. He, he warns them. He says, hey, you can't tell what's going on. Check it out. Verse 2, He says to them, when it is evening, you say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and threatening. You hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. Wow. You can't tell what God is doing among you. You're missing out on everything God wants to do. Jesus isn't talking about the weather. He's trying to teach them something. He's saying you're missing out on something far bigger. How many of you heard the expression, red sky at night, sailor's delight. Red sky in the morning, sailor's warning. You see, yeah, thank you, Jesus. That was from you, by the way, right? And here's what Jesus is saying. You know how to tell the weather, but you can't tell the signs of the times you can't tell the things that I am doing. Look what he goes on to say. A wicked and adulterous generation seeks after sign. Yeah, same thing he said back in chapter 12, verse 39. Uh, we went into that in detail there. I'm just going to skim over it now. A wicked generation, yeah, too much of the world in you. An adulterous generation, yeah, you're not walking with a true and living God. You're going after a, a fake God, a, a fake religion. Uh, you're cheating on God. Uh, and they seek after a sign. Yeah, they always want a sign, always want to wonder, always want something tangible to hold on to, don't want to live by faith, always into just, you know, uh, name it and claim it, uh, just prosperity, just something other than the living Jesus. And here's what he says, no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. And he left them and he, he departed. No sign except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Again, we taught this in detail in chapter 12. I'm not going to teach it in detail now, but just as a quick overview for those of you who weren't here for that. Uh, uh, the sign of the prophet Jonah. Jonah was a prophet who was commissioned by God to go to preach to the Gentiles, and he refused to. The Ninevites were a cruel people. He didn't want to preach to them. And so he runs away from God, and he goes in a boat, and he goes for a cruise instead. And the giant storm erupts and uh, Jonah gets thrown overboard and he gets swallowed by a well. And many skeptics go, I can't believe it, man. I mean, the Bible will be, how could that? Well, there's a reason. It's because it's a foreshadow of Jesus. It's a prophecy of Jesus. And he gets swallowed by this great fish and uh, he's in there for three days, for three days. And after three days, uh, Jonah finally repents. 
I would have repented after about three seconds. <laughs> I got these stomach acids on me. They're in my eyes. I got blonde hair. I always wanted blonde hair, but not like this. Lord, forgive me. Took Jonah three days. After three days, he's barfed up. He's as good as dead. He's a dead man in a fish. He's resurrected. And he goes and he preaches to the Gentiles. A picture of Jesus. Jesus died. Before that, he always preached to the Jews. He died. He resurrects after three days. And he preaches to the Gentiles. And here we are, right? They get saved. We get saved. And so Jesus says, uh, uh, that's the only sign you're going to see. By the way, when you seek, those who seek signs, Jesus says, no sign will be given to them. But here's the really cool thing. Those who seek Jesus for Jesus, they got to see all kinds of signs. I get to see so many signs of Jesus working in your lives. And oh, I love it. Of Jesus working in the community. I absolutely love it. Um, uh, but we have to follow Jesus for the right reasons. Jesus warns them of missing what God is doing in the world. Jesus called them a generation that is unable to discern the signs of the times. Unable to discern what God is doing in the world. The long-awaited Messiah, the one that had been prophesied from the beginning of time, is now standing there with them, and yet they can't discern it. God in the flesh is before them, and yet they're missing out. Not able to discern the signs of the times. Jesus was teaching and healing and restoring lives and giving profound wisdom to all who would listen. And at the exact same time, the religious leaders were colluding with the powers to be to try to kill and to crucify Jesus. And I want you to know something. The common citizens of that day could see it happening. They could see the tensions increasing between the religious leaders and Jesus. They could see the common people understanding that Jesus was the Messiah. And the religious leaders getting more and more corrupt as they come not to see Jesus, but to test and to trick and to, and to, try, to, to, to try to kill. They could see these things happening. The corruption was getting worse and worse and worse, and yet everyone just watched it happen, and ultimately they crucified Jesus. And I say that because here I want us to be aware of something. Jesus is saying, hey, I want you to be aware of what's happening in the world. I want you to be aware of what God is doing in our midst. It's possible to, hey, uh, to be able to discern, you know, all of us can tell when a storm is coming. The sky gets dark, the wind gets blowing, it gets colder, and you go, hey, there's a storm coming. But I want you to know, not everyone can discern the, the, the sign of the times. Today, we have a dark storm of evil coming upon our land. And we need to discern the sign of the times. Why? So that we can be in tune with what God wants us to do. There is a colossal storm coming. The sky is growing dark. And we should be able to discern what is coming. What is coming? Well, in America today, 
What is going on is clearly a matter of good versus evil. And we need to be able to discern what is really happening. Here we're having a transition in uh, the political parties. And even as we speak, evil is gearing up. I read in the news this week uh, that the Human Rights Campaign, HRC, it's the nation's largest LGBTQ organization uh, activist group in the world. They have already sent a post-election wish list to Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, and they call it the Blueprint for Positive Change. And in it, they have outlined 85 policy changes that they are demanding. And we can see which direction things are already going to move. And my point here is not to be overly political, uh, uh, but for us to be aware of what is happening. These 85 demands, a 25-page document, I read all of it. These 85 demands uh, lay out some very serious things. I wrote down some of them. They want, uh, one of these demands is to appoint openly Uh, LGBTQ Supreme Court justices, judges, executive officials, and ambassadors. Uh, They want to enforce civil rights statutes and provisions for transgendered in all agencies of our nation, military, religious institutions, Christian schools, adoption proceedings, the ability to donate blood, etc., etc., etc. What does that mean? It means this, that... Uh, If you're a Christian school, they want to say you have to hire LGBTQ teachers whether you want to or not. And now I want you to know, I am all for LGBTQ people. I love them. And, uh, you know, I, I, I welcome them. You are welcome here at the Mission Church. Uh, you're, you know, all of us have different uh, sin that we struggle with. Some of us struggle with pride. Some of us struggle with anger. Some of us struggle with lust. Some of us struggle with greed. Some of us struggle with a myriad of different things. And your struggle might be different than my struggle. But this church is a place where all of us who struggle, where all of us who are sinners, whether we struggle in addiction or pornography or gambling or whatever, all of us can come as sinners to the feet of Jesus Christ and be saved. LGBTQ, you are welcome here with open arms. We love you and Jesus loves you. But woe to those who call good evil and evil good. This is a place for messed up people to come and to be saved. But we should never uh, champion what is wrong as right. And on and on this list goes. I won't go into it. Oh, but it's not hard to see that uh, uh, we have uh, 62 million abortions in this country and now uh, we've got Amy uh, Colby Amy Barrett as a Supreme Court Justice and now we're going to see things maybe changing to actually protect children and pro-life and now the uh, Biden has already announced has already said I will pack the courts in order to get that changed and my point is simply this we want to be aware of the signs of the times 
We have supported Israel for good reason. Israel is the, is the, the most stable nation in the Middle East. They stabilize the whole region. It's a democracy. It's a healthy government. And they're God's chosen people. And we can see the signs of the times. Support of Israel is going to diminish. And support of Muslim nations is going to increase. The same nations that fuel and, 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 and promote terrorism and violence and suppression of women. Hey, these are the things that are on the horizon. We need to be aware. And you say, does this mean that everything is hopeless? No, not at all. God is on the throne. And God still loves His people. And if we will repent, if we will pray, if we will humble ourselves, if we will seek His face, He will heal our land. You say, how do you know? Because it's a promise in the Scripture. But we have to be able to discern the signs of the times. We're having a prayer night, Tuesday, 6 p.m., December 1st, for this very purpose. Oh, I hope you will come and make it a priority. I hope that you'll be able to discern the signs, the signs of the times. Jesus will heal our land if we humble ourselves and pray, if we come to Him as Lord, if we learn His ways, if we stand for righteousness. He wants to use us. I want you to know, uh, I'm not Pollyanna, I know that we do not have enough strength to change a nation. But that must not deter us. Why? Because we stand not trusting in our ability, but in God's ability. And if we will just bring what we have to Him, He will do incredible things. Look at this. Let's wrap up with these verses. Uh, verse 5, right where we left off. Now when the disciples had come to the other side, they forgotten to take bread. When do you think they realized they forgot to take bread, by the way? They're probably in the boat, and they're probably getting hungry. Peter goes, hey, you got anything to eat? No. You got anything to eat? No. Oh, shoot, we forgot to take bread. Jesus, on the other hand, is thinking of different things. Then Jesus said to them in the boat, take heed. And beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Wow. The disciples are thinking about food. <laughs> Jesus is thinking about how the religious leaders can't even discern the signs of the times. And the reason they can't is because of the sin of pride and arrogance and self-righteousness in their life. It'll cause you to miss out on everything God wants to do. You'll miss out on what God wants to do in your relationship, in your marriage, in your kids, in your family, in your neighbors, in your co-worker. You'll miss out on it and you won't be able to discern what God is doing. You've got company coming over at Thanksgiving. Get in tune with what God's doing. He says, beware of the leaven of the scribes and the Pharisees. It causes you not to see the, 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 the work God is doing and, and, and to be out of touch. You can't discern the signs of the times. Verse 7, and they reasoned among themselves saying, oh shoot, it, he's mad at us because we didn't take enough bread. Jesus being aware of it said, oh you of little faith, why do you reason among yourselves because you have no bread? Do you not yet understand... Or remember the five loaves and the 5,000 and how many baskets you took up? How many did you take up? 
12 full, one for each of the tribes of Israel? Do you not remember the seven loaves and the 4,000 and how many large baskets, again, a different word there, Hebrew basket, Gentile basket, large baskets you took up in Greek, different word, uh, seven, one for the, you know, for all. Uh, Verse 11, how is it then that you do not understand that I'm not talking to you about food, about bread? But to beware of the leaven of the scribes and the Pharisees, excuse me, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Then they understood that he wasn't talking to beware of the leaven of bread, but the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Jesus warns them, don't be like them. Don't miss out on everything that's doing. Pride will hinder you from seeing what God wants to do in your life. Pride will hinder you from seeing the signs of the times. Don't worry about not having enough bread. Don't worry about not having enough ability. Don't you remember the 5,000? Bring what you have to me and I will use it powerfully. I am God. I have more than enough bread. I have more than enough ability. I have more than enough power. I can heal anything. I can give life to anything, even to dead nations. I can bring them back to me. And so we have to remember that our strength is not in our ability, but in God's ability. Here's what Jesus is saying. Remember who I am. And next Sunday when we gather, the next portion of Scripture, that's where we're going to learn. He takes them very, by the way, uh, to an awesome place. He takes them uh, up to Caesarea, Philippi, it's a beautiful area, and it was a pagan-infested area. They had a cave to the god of Pan there, and uh, a, a bunch of different gods they worshipped there. I don't have time to go into it all. Uh, and it was, it was a cultic. And it was there that Jesus took the disciples, and he said, Who do you say that I am? And Peter said, You're the Son of the living God. And he says, On this I will build my church, and the gates of what? hell he took them to the most pagan corrupt place you could possibly be and he's there he said the gates of hell will not prevail against them and you know what he did after that uh you guys are only getting this in second service first service got none of this so you know what he did after that he took him to mount herman and you know what they saw on mount herman the mount of transfiguration his glory right after they went to Caesarea Philippi to this pagan where here here's where we're at who do you say Jesus is hey I don't have anything I can't change this country I can't heal our land I nope you can't feed 4,000 with seven little loaves either but if you bring it to Jesus here's what's going to happen you know what's going to happen your life's going to change and your house is going to change and your neighbors are going to see that change and your work is going to see that change And your church is going to change. And we have something here, man. We have something here that's amazing. You come here, there's family, there's love, there's life. You go out in the world, you put your mask on, you isolate, and there's depression, there's loneliness, there's suicide, there's despair, there's alcoholism, there's adultery, there's pornography, there's all the wickedness. And here's what Jesus says, who do you say that I am? Because I can heal all of it, and I'll build my house on this rock, the rock of Jesus Christ 
Christ and the gates of hell will never prevail against it. This is his work. This is his calling and he's inviting us to it. Can we discern the sign of the times? There is a battle between good and evil. May we be aware of what God is doing and may we be ready to serve and to watch him work in our lives. I believe we have the potential right now. I believe we're going to experience God moving in such powerful ways. Uh, we're not going to be able to have enough services to host all the people that are going to be coming to this church, coming to Jesus, because He is moving in our midst right now. And so why don't you stand with me? And let's bring our hearts before the Lord. Let's go out in song, song and rejoicing. God can heal our country. Uh, all we have to do is follow Him, come to Him, take our feeble gifts, lay them at His feet, worship Him as King. He is a mighty Savior. He's able to heal. And I can't wait to watch Him do it with us. I can't wait to experience it. I can't wait to watch Him use the mission church to take our seven little loaves and to feed 5,000. I just can't wait to watch it happen. And so may the Lord be with you. May He bless you. May He cause His face to shine upon you. And maybe you're here this morning, you say, man, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in, I'm in. I need to get right with Jesus. I've been a Pharisee. I've been coming to church, but it's been a religious exercise. I haven't been worshiping. Hey, I want to encourage you, come. Uh, let one of the elders, let me, let JC, Pastor JC, let one of the pastors, one of the elders pray for you and uh, uh, call upon him. He's a healer. Maybe you need healing in your home. Maybe you need healing in your heart. Maybe you've been maimed and you need to be made well so you can walk again, so your heart can feel again, uh, so you can be used powerfully at Thanksgiving as you gather together with family. Come forward. Let the elders pray for you. The Lord's here. He's near to all who call upon Him. To all who call upon Him in spirit and truth. If you'd like prayer, come forward. Otherwise, may the Lord richly bless you. Have a great week in Jesus Christ. You may freely share this message with others as long as you don't charge for it. Support for these broadcasts comes from your generous donations that allow us to give away our materials for free. To participate with us, please visit our website at themissionchurch.net. God bless.